1: gave your life for mine nailed to the cross you crucified all my sin and shame I was washed by your mercy you are the treasure I find my reason for living so let my life become
0: James asked me to read today. So, first of all, hi, my name's Jody Tackett, and today our passage is going to be 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. Um, I'd like to wish everyone, every female, no matter what, whether you're a mother, whatever you do, Happy Mother's Day, because I know I can't get up here and not get emotional. That's just who I am. Okay, anyway, um, moms are important. And if you're a female and you love someone, you're important. Promise you. Um, I serve as the teen youth leader. Um, my mission is teens. I'm well, seven through 12th. I'm a teacher. I serve my mission field is a teacher. Um, I do young life, and I do Wednesday nights with the teens. That's who I am. That's who I was created to be. Um, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7 says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you you know how he, he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what to do. What do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Bar as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over.
2: I have a, a message for mothers, and I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Mothers get off good when it comes to preaching on Mother's Day because you get an encouraging message, Right? On Father's Day, we kick your butt, though. It's all about getting fathers and, and whooping on them a little bit and everything like that. That's just the way it is, though. But 2 Kings 4, 1-7, through the title of my message is Empty Vessels. And when I think of moms in my family, like I said, I think of amazing women and the sacrifices that they have made. I, I think of how they tend to be the types of people that pour themselves out. And speaking of pouring themselves out— can, can we give a big hand to Eddie Tackett, Jeremy Montoni, and the teens who helped make crepes this morning? I almost forgot to, to do that. They're hiding in the, in the kitchen right now, actually cleaning it up. So praise God for them. I, I thank God for them. But my mom, as some of you are, was a single mother, and I know she sacrificed for me. I saw that. I know she poured herself out time and time again. And that's just the image that I have when I think of all moms. Just somebody who pours themselves out. And I think along with that image, I think sometimes moms get to the place where they're empty. They poured and poured and poured. And sometimes they get to the place where they feel like there's nothing left. And I, and I pictured these empty jars in this passage, these empty vessels, as another translation would say. And I I want, if that's you today, whether you're a mom or whether you're someone else and you just feel empty, I pray that the, the word of God would speak to you today. Well let's look at this widow. Notice it it doesn't even give her a name, right? It just says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband has served you as dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So immediately we see a woman who's a single mom. I guarantee you she did not picture her life going this way, right? It's not how she imagined it. She has young kids that are too young to work, too young to help this family out. So we can guess that she's younger. We can guess that her husband was younger. Maybe he died unexpectedly. This, this is not how she imagined it playing out. And I'm sure it doesn't make sense to her. In the hardest way, she learns that life is not fair. Right? And now, somehow, she has to be the one to hold the family together. All the weight of the world is on her and on her alone. And she lives in a world that is not kind to women during this time period, right? Becoming a widow meant you lost your livelihood. Your best hope was that you would have a son that could get a job and take care of you, typically the oldest. That's why they're given a double inheritance, a double portion of the inheritance so that they could take care of the rest of the family. But in this case, her sons are too young. And now it looks that not only did she lose her husband, but she's faced with the prospect of losing her sons to a creditor. If you could not pay your bills, they would take your sons and press them into slavery, make them serve someone to pay off the debt. A creditor was going to come and take them and make them his slaves. And she can't find a way to pay this debt, to stop it, right? These boys need their mom. And she's trying, she's trying, but she's failing them. And I don't know if you have ever felt this kind of weight on your shoulders, the weight of people needing you. And maybe you're out of money. Maybe you're out of ideas. Maybe you're just out of time. On top of all that, you've lost your joy, you've lost your hope, you've lost your strength, and maybe you've lost that a while back. My heart goes out to this woman, and I want you to know that if you are this woman, if you are this person, right, you have a church that will help you, a church that will lock roots with you, that will stand beside you. Please, please reach out to us. And if you know someone like that, please reach out for them because oftentimes people won't reach out. But as I said, this is not how she pictured life going. I I wonder if she's angry. Angry at God. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of angry at God for her in this situation. Have you ever felt like you've been faithful to him and yet it seems like he hasn't kept up his side of the deal after all her husband right what what did he do he was a member of the group of prophets he was a good man we know this because he feared the lord he served elisha this is the type of man that shouldn't die early in the grand scheme of things he he lived right so god should have watched out for him and watched out for his family like i said i don't know if she's angry but but i am I'm guessing they were faithful and now she's finding herself empty, completely empty with nothing. She sees the future. How does it look? Painful, right? A future that's only going to get worse. How how do you keep going when you have nothing left? Maybe your situation isn't life or death like this one, right? But you know what it feels like to be at the end of yourself. And to have people depending on you. That you just seem like you can't help like you know you should. You know what it feels like to try everything. Right? To think, to rack your brain. To try and come up with a solution, but none is to be found. Maybe your life feels like a never-ending loop of wake, work, sleep. Maybe throw in some diapers in there, moms. Right? Maybe you have no joy. No hope left. I want you to know this today. God does some of his best work when we're out of hope. God does some of his best work when we feel empty. So today I want to walk us through these seven verses and see what she did, what happened, and what we can learn from this. The first thing that she did, the first thing that I want us to realize, the first thing that I want us to notice is that she cries out, right? She cried out. This seems really simple, but for some reason, this is not the first thing that we often do. At least not the first thing that I tend to do. Sometimes the first thing I tend to do is put on the mask, right? Pretend that everything's going okay. I think sometimes when we feel uh, empty, especially with moms, especially with women, I think you try and make yourself full and I might be off base here, but you say yes to the extra things in your life. You say yes to the sports team, right? Because that's what a good mother does. You say yes to this group. You say yes to helping with the wedding shower. You say yes to organizing the church garage sale. You say yes to volunteering with this PTA or this group or that group to help with this or that. Good things. Good things. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But moms, busyness does not remedy emptiness. Busyness, some of you need to hear this. Busyness does not remedy emptiness. In fact, in the end, you'll even feel more empty. It might mask it for a little while. You feel good because you're doing something good, right? It might put on a mask, but now you're overcommitted. You're tired you're irritable, and you're feeling that nobody gets you, nobody understands you, nobody's going to help you with all that dumb stuff that you just signed up to do. Maybe that's when somebody comes to you and asks you, how are you doing, right? How's it going? And that's maybe when you have the mask on and you say, I'm doing great. I'm doing okay, right? After all, they don't really care. Maybe you think that. They can't relate. Nobody really cares about me. And now you just feel empty and alone. I wonder if this woman tried to handle all of this on her own and she just couldn't. I wonder how she came to that place. We know she has debt, right? We don't know how she got that debt. Was it after her husband died? Was she trying to keep everything together? And she went into debt trying to take care of everything. Is the debt her fault? Was it just there previous to this? We we can guess that she tried to climb out of that debt because it seems like she sold everything of value in her life. Because when the prophet responds, he says this, what can I do to help? Tell me what you have in this house. And she responds, nothing at all. Except a flask of olive oil. She has almost nothing left. I think that's because she tried to sell everything to get out of this debt, to make a way. She's almost completely empty, though, with nothing left. She's at the end of her rope, but she cries out. She cries out. I thought about the other times when, in the Bible when people cry out, right? So many times we see this phrase where somebody cried out to God. Peter, walking on water, starts to sink. What's he do? He cries out to Jesus, right? And Jesus takes him by the hand. A blind man in Jericho, hears Jesus passing by, and he cries out for help. When the Israelites couldn't find water in the desert, Moses cries out to God. A group of disciples in the midst of the storm cry out, Lord, save us. Don't you care? Save us, Jesus. A prophet cries out, and God revives a dead child. A king cries out, and God saves his life. Every time that I think of when people cried out to God, we see God move. Every time. We see God come close. We see God reach out and surround us. There's something about when we cry out to God. Why? I think it's because that cry is usually filled with humility. We know we can't solve our problems. We recognize that we need help, somebody to save us. It has elements of unconditional surrender in it, that cry does. We don't try to bargain with God at this point. We just ask him to move in the situation. We just lay whatever that situation down at his feet. We put it in his hands. There, there's a cry, there's a plead for mercy in these cries. Apart from God, we recognize we have no hope. And the last component of our cries is faith. Maybe the most important. Faith in God's power. Faith that he cares. Faith that he will move and that he'll be there for us there's something about when we cry out to God that he hears and responds but for some reason that's often not where we start and maybe it's because we don't trust him because there have been times that we have reached out to him and maybe it seemed like he has not acted seemed like he has not moved or he didn't respond or, or maybe he just didn't respond in the way we wanted him to And so we think he doesn't care. So we'll just do it ourselves. I think sometimes God allows us to come to the end of our rope so that we have nowhere else to turn but him. So that we'll draw near to him. And come close. So that he can show us he does care. He does love us so he can make his presence known to us. He does this when we cry out so that ultimately we learn that we can trust him with anything. Maybe he waits because the last time you cried out, it wasn't to God, it was to your husband. Or maybe you look to your kids and you wanted them to be or take the place of God in your life. You ever do that? You ever look to people for your source of hope? That is, my friends, only something God can provide. Pure and simple. It only makes you more disappointed in your husband when you look to him and and want him to be God of your life. It only makes you more disappointed in your kids when you look to them for your for them to be your Savior, for them to be the source that can fill you up. Fill fill me up with those kind words that you can say, with that encouragement. Yeah, we can do that, but we can never do it the way God does it. We can never give the hope that God does. Ladies, quit looking to your husbands, to that significant other, to your kids for that source of hope. Amen. Look to God. Cry out to him. See, I think sometimes God clears all of that out of our way so that our only hope that we have left is in him. And praise God, he is the only hope that we have, the only true source of hope that's available. Ladies, if there's space in your life, right, that there's a space in your life that, that only God can fill. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Amen. Do you you listen to what that says? Did you hear it? Man, I pray that's a life verse for you when you feel broken, when you feel empty. God hears our cry. God comes near when you're broken. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. I've had those moments of, of, of brokenness. I've had those moments of, of feeling empty. I remember one New Year's Eve, I was all alone. I, I think it was like 2000, a special New Year's Eve, completely alone, and I remember that emptiness that I felt. And I remember turning to God. God during that time. And I remember him drawing near. And I remember the hope that he gave me during those times. Cry out to him. Back to verse two. What can I do to help? Elisha asked. Tell me what you do have in your house, she says. Tell me what you do have in your house, she says. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Two questions Elisha asks. What can I do to help? Well, you see, I have this debt, right? And these t- creditors are coming. My husband's dead. I need money. I need money, right? Second question, what do you have? I like the first question. I, I just want to stay with the first question where, where I can just tell you what I need, not the, not the second question so much. What do I have in my home I've learned this in my, law, in my walk with God. When I cry out to God, the first thing that He wants to do is work on me. I, I want Him to fix the situation, right? I, I want Him to, to, to give me that need that I have. He wants to work on me, though. Here's what I've discovered, though. When I work on me, my situation changes, right? This is true in marriage. When I change me, Our marriage changes, right? Most of the time, though, I just want God to change my situation, change my spouse, change my work situation. But God wants to change me first. That's oftentimes why why I'm going through this in the first place. When the widow cried out, God wanted her to see what she already had, right? Even if it was something that seemed insignificant to her. You are always part of the solution. And you have to realize that when you cry out. You are always a part of the solution. First step, cry out to God. Second step, if you're writing things down, reach out to others. Cry out, reach out. Verse 3, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. One translation says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few, right? That's our God. Don't ask for just a few. I think we're usually good at one or the other when it comes to these two things, crying out or reaching out. But they go together, right? Maybe we cry out to God, but we're too embarrassed to reach out to our neighbors, to our church family. Maybe we're too prideful or we're good for asking for help or, or from our friends and families, but we don't spend time crying out to God. They have to be done in conjunction with each other. They have to result in us being changed. What does it mean to reach out in our day and age? We, we live in a day and age where you can just put a post out on Facebook and ask for help, Right? and we can get comments and likes and people that are telling us that they're praying for us, and that's that's good, but it doesn't lead to conversations. Oftentimes. It doesn't lead to those conversations. You just bring people to the surface of your life. We need to take people deeper. She could have shouted out, hey, I need jars. She could have put the Facebook post out there, hey, I need jars but that would just be scratching the surface. I think she, this played out that she went and her sons went to the houses and she had these conversations, she had these dialogues, she had these exchanges with people. You know, my husband died. Well, what would happen as soon as you heard that if you were one of your neighbors? Your heart would go out to her, right? And you'd start to bring her close and to see what you could do for her. Do, do you have any jars that I can borrow? Heck yeah. I'll, I'll empty these out for you too. Conversations bring community. A a deeper sense of community more than just comments on a Facebook post. That's what we need. You're inviting people into your life. You're inviting people into your pain to help you in that place. I I believe the enemy wants to steal community from us. I believe the enemy tried really hard, right, recently. We, We don't know our neighbors half the time. We don't talk to them. What if we did, though? What if we allowed people into our lives? What if we went out of our way to reach out to people and to bring them in community? Somebody reaches out to me and invites me into their lives. I consider that a huge privilege. Don't you? Especially if they're struggling. I feel closer to them. I feel like they're they're laying themselves bare, right? And I respect that. And it makes me want to reach out and help. And if I get to help somebody that is a huge blessing for me, right? We don't, we don't want to share those burdens with other people. We don't want to put those burdens on other people. Heck no, that's a huge blessing. You share them, right? A huge blessing. Even if I don't know what to do, I know I have a church family that I can go to. And somebody in here will know what to do. Just the right thing. That gives me purpose. That grows us closer together, right? Right? What if we reached out to people? What if we locked roots with people? I hated COVID. I hated COVID and everything that it did. And I I hated that we closed this church for a short period of time. And I'm glad we opened it up early. Look at how anxiety rose. Look at how mental illnesses, depression rose during this time. We, we lived through screens. This was a move of the enemy, right? And, and this, is not, this is not laying shame on anybody if you didn't come. Because let me tell you, some of your health situations, I wouldn't have come either, right? So, so don't take this that way. But the best thing to come out of COVID is I realized the importance of community. I realized the importance of fellowship. And we have to have that. We have to reach out for each other. And and shame on me for not doing a better job of that during COVID. I should have done that, and I apologize. To the people watching online, I love that you worship with us online, right? But don't miss out on community. You got to have a church. You have to have a group that you can bond with. It doesn't have to be a church necessarily, but bring some people into your homes, right? Share your burdens with people. Help out. Have that sense of community wherever you're at. You can learn so much about what's going on in somebody's life when you do this, the difficult seasons that they're going through. And yes, you can let them know that you're praying for them, but it's different if you come up beside them and hug them, right? Right? if you put your arm around them, if you ask them and you don't let them say, I'm doing good, right? Are you sure? Share with me really what's really going on. Ladies, don't let the enemy tell you that you're all alone. You're not. You have a church family that loves you, that's here from you. That's a lie, right? What else do you have besides a little bit of oil? you have neighbors. Don't miss that in this passage, right? Besides a little bit of oil, you have neighbors. Okay, cry out, reach out. Third thing, if you're taking notes, pour out. Verse four, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. This is where faith really kicks in, right? Close the doors. You don't need to put on a show. You don't need to be putting it out there for a show, right? Oh, look what I'm doing. I'm being a good mom. I'm I'm doing this or that. Notice how I'm serving. Notice what I'm doing, right? Look at how I'm giving. Don't do it for the attention. Shut the door. I hate those videos on YouTube right now where people go up and help homeless people. Great thing to do. But they're, they're giving them things and they're... I know what's behind it, though. They're they're just doing it for recognition. Ticks me off. Look at me. My friends, don't let people know what you're doing. Don't let people know what you're giving, right? Matthew 6, 2 through 4 says that we should give in secret. Do these things in secret when we help somebody. Don't let anybody know, otherwise your reward is done. It's right there. When you're going to take what you have and pour it out, close the door. Close the door so that you can focus in on the one who's giving it to you, the one who gave it to you, the one who enables you to pour it out, right? And let him work that miracle. Now, I love that part of this, but here's another part, right? Because not everyone needs to know what you're doing. Sometimes you need to shut the door, but there are some people that you can't hide from. There are some people that are in your life, right? Who was there with her when she shut the door? Her two sons, right? I don't know how much much these boys knew of what was going on. I don't know how much was hidden from them. I bet she tried to hide some of it from them. But here's the thing. I bet they knew their mom was fighting in a battle. I bet they could sense that. I bet they could sense that heaviness on her. I bet it felt like weakness to her. But I bet they saw it as strength. Someone to look up to you. In her weakest moment, she's building their faith. Right? They brought the jars to her, and what did she do? She starts pouring. She keeps pouring. Right? Cry out. Reach out. Pour out. She poured out what she had. You might be tempted to keep that last little bit of oil that you have, right? And not pour it out. But what if you did? And what if you trusted God with it? And what if your kids got to see a miracle? What if you got, your kids got to see God multiply that thing that you poured out? And you kept pouring, and you kept pouring, and you kept pouring, and you filled every empty jar. What if Your kids got to see you take something insignificant, right? And they got to see the power of God bless it. What a faith lesson for them. But are you willing to pour out? Are you willing to pour out when you feel empty? I can honestly say that every time God's asked me to pour something out, he has blessed it, multiplied it, and brought it back more than what I've ever given to him. That's what I want my kids to see. I don't need the world to know that, right? Well, I want my kids to see that. Not, not so they think, ah, oh, dad's great, mom's great. I want them to think God's great. God will bless your insignificant things in big ways. There was a mom who packed a, her son a lunch, right? Five loaves, two fish. and God blessed it. God multiplied it and fed over 5,000 people with it. You think you're poor? You think you don't have anything significant to offer? Hold on, right? Hold on, man. Pour it out because there are empty vessels to fill. Your emptiness will be filled in the process of pouring it out it will right it'll be filled overflowing just don't do it for recognition right don't do it to feel better about yourself don't don't do it to to fill to try and fill your life just do it just follow what god's calling you to do as I was talking about earlier sometimes we do stuff for that recognition and try to fill ourselves don't don't do it that way i'm being a good mom L- look what i'm doing for my kids look at how hard i work that's that's not something that god blesses that that type of attitude And you'll just stay empty. Keep pouring, but shut the door. Pour into people, and you'll be filled. I guarantee it. Pour into people, and you'll be filled. I I love the the story of the woman who led that sinful life, right? And she had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus Christ freed freed her from it, freed her from her condemnation. And not long after that, she found Jesus, right? And what does she do? She pours out that expensive perfume at his feet. She didn't do it hoping somebody would recognize her, that she'd get praise for it, that people would say, look how amazing of a woman she is. She didn't do that for that reason. She just did it in worship, right? What's your motivation for what you're doing? She did it because she was grateful for what he did. That's why we pour, my friends, right? Right? We're grateful for what he's done for us. And we want to show our appreciation. We want to serve. We want to help people because he helped us first. He poured out into us first. That's why we pour. Keep pouring, moms. Because when you do that, God will pour through you. And you won't be able to pour it fast enough out. He'll pour so much it'll overflow. And you won't have to worry about staying full. You pour for recognition, pour for pe- so people think you're a good mom, you're pouring for your own glory. Not his. And he won't bless that. <clears throat> Cry out, reach out, pour out. Even if you think you only have a little bit to give. Because when you do, you'll experience God's power in your life. And there's nothing like that. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Don't you want to experience that? Don't you want to experience the power of God? We filled them all. Some of you know this truth. Some of you have experienced this truth, but you've gotten away from it. You quit pouring. And notice that's when the oil stopped. Be careful with that, right? You, You might have stopped pouring, but maybe you can't pour like you used to. Find a different way. Find something else to pour into you, right? Maybe, maybe one of you, are, you're, you're a, a mom with an empty nest, right? And you don't have those kids to pour into. Maybe there's another kid, though, that you can find to pour into and help out. Maybe it's time to look for that young lady or that hurting other person or a different way to serve. You stop pouring the oil stops don't let that happen don't don't get retired from ministry right there's always something to do there's always somebody to help out it may change what you're doing but look for that it's while you pour you experience his power maybe you're going to lift somebody up in prayer maybe you're going to be an awesome prayer warrior in this season right What a gift. What a gift it is for somebody that I know is praying for me. I feel that. I recognize that. Right? Find a way to pour into somebody's life. Last point. She was pouring from a small jar, the Bible says. Probably not full. Right? I'm sure she's used it. Probably not full. Sometimes we want to wait until our jar is full full before we pour i'm sorry i feel empty i feel like i have nothing to give right now i'm going to wait until that changes i'm going to wait till till my jar gets filled up till till i'm not feeling empty and then i'll start pouring no she started pouring with just a little bit if she would have waited she wouldn't have experienced god's power pour when you feel empty When you pour, it will feel like a sacrifice. Maybe a a sacrifice no one will ever see, but notice what Jesus says in Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, you just keep pouring, and I'll give it right back. If you feel empty... Probably the the last feeling that you have is that you should pour, but pour. Because that's when you get filled. Invest in somebody's life. Help them out. It's a beautiful blessing. Would you stand with me? My friends, be generous with your time, with your love, with your encouragement. Even when you feel empty, especially When you feel empty, moms, ladies, you feeling empty? Cry out to him. Cry out to him, right? Spend that time with him, just talking to him. It's amazing what a quiet time will do for your life. That's how he fills me up. And reach out right? Reach out to your friends. Reach out to your church family. Don't pull back from them. Don't avoid it. Fellowship, right? Lock roots with people. And of course, pour out that we just talked about. A lot of times, people will do one of these things. You got to do all three. You got to spend the time tapped in to Jesus Christ, Right? you got to be willing to reach out to humble yourselves, to, to let people reach out to you, and then you have to be willing to pour out into people's lives. That's how you get filled. That's how you stay filled. That's the life that God's, God blesses. Do you feel empty? Cry out, reach out, pour out. Amen? She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. I lived with a mom like this. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but we did have what we did have was far better. I witnessed a mom who poured out every day, right? Even though she had a little bit. And I saw God pour out through her. I lived that. I saw that. Do that, ladies. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the the women that are in our lives, the women who sacrifice, the women who pour out so much. Lord, would you just bless them, especially today. Lord, would you bring them close to you? Would you make your presence known to them? Would you fill them up, Lord? Would they never seek that in a man other than you? Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.